Welcome to episode five of the Travel Love Podcast. This is a special episode because this is a co-podcast episode. Not only the Travel Love Podcast, also the Dash with Trey. Trey, How's it going, Jeff? I'm I'm excited. It seems like everything is is coming back full circle. You know, um, just talking with you. Three years ago, I was excited when you reached out <clears throat> a while ago to have this podcast. So, you, know, you and I met in in, in Italy in 2014, and, and still kind of being able to to keep up through social media and whatnot. That's that's a pretty cool thing to have. Yeah, man, absolutely. <clears throat> I remember the first time I met you. We were staying in the same hostel. And it was a really cool hostel. They had free dinners. So Every we night. brought a lot of people together uh, on the balcony because they would take advantage of this delicious free Italian food. And you were already sitting down and talking to the group of people. And I was like, I hadn't even said anything. I was just listening to you. And I was already blown away <laughs> by what you were saying, how you were saying it. You were, I don't remember exactly what you were saying, but it was definitely positive. It was mm. interesting and you had a ton of charisma and everybody was like captivated by wow. what you were saying. I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, know I travel a lot. I've, I've lived in Europe for, you know, over a little over five years now. Mm. And, you know, I try to, I'm a teacher, so I have a lot of breaks. I try to travel as much as I can. And therefore I meet a lot of people traveling and yeah. not just traveling, but anyone I've ever met, you are one of the most wow. unique guys wow. I've ever met. Thank you, Jeff. Thank, thank you very much. That means that means a lot, you know. And and even that time to put more context in, I was over there for four months, um, and that entire group of people that was one of, that was that's my favorite trip out of the fourteen countries or so that we went to. Florence is where I key as my number one um, spot, just because it was it was n- not just myself, but a unique group of of individuals from Switzerland, from DC, from London, from Australia from wherever coming together at this one hostel, downtown Florence by the Duomo to have these conversations and, and enjoy each other's company for a couple nights. So that was, I mean, mind though, people still ask me about studying abroad. That was you know, almost three years ago now. Um, and I, I tell people I'm still growing from that experience. I'm still learning from, from that time abroad. Um, and it's being able to connect with, with Jeff um, and I've connected with a few other people too. Natalie, who was, who was there. Um, I'm like friends with four or five people, but and I've actually seen some of these people too. Um, yeah. So it's just it, it's it's wild. Yeah, and Bianca too. She was she uh, is an Australian who lives and works as a journalist in London. She was also like so cool. Yeah. She recently got married. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, I keep in touch with her as well from time to time. She's she's such a cool person. That was like an amazing. It wasn't just you and me like. We did have like a really solid, solid. Group. Yeah, and and I I feel like um, you know, going abroad. I, they asked me. I was on another podcast last week, and they asked what what was the one takeaway from studying abroad. And and my takeaway is the world is flat. You know, having that conversation or having that experience in London or excuse me in um in Italy is no different than. Um, having that conversation in Hartsville, South Carolina, where I'm at right now, and the people are are the same, whether it's in in Peru or Timbuktu, um, and it's really just the experience and what you're making of it. So that's that was like the biggest thing. I'm nine hours away from home, and this is still reality. It's not. It's not. It doesn't feel like a TV show. It doesn't feel like I'm in Paris or Italy. It feels like it's the world. Like it ain't no different than than Chicago where I'm at right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, wherever you go, there you are. And 
mean, that's one of the cool things about traveling is when you're actually there, you realize what, you know, you have this concept of what Paris is like. Mm-hmm. And then you go to Paris and you're like, okay, this this is it. Yeah. This isn't a park. This is like yeah. you know, the place that here I am. People people walk the same way in Paris, the same way they do in Texas. You know, people have attitudes, yeah. people have opinions, people got problems. Um, I mean, one of the things that, that I mean, there is a difference, though. I guess from from being abroad to over here, um, you know, the boundary lines are blurred. From over in Europe, state or countries are like states. So I was in Luxembourg for most of that time, and we there was only two hundred fifty thousand people, but every day that population doubled with people from the Netherlands, France. Um, Germany, Italy, wherever the case was. So it's really, you know, we talk about America being a melting pot, but when you're in Europe, it's really, it's really blended. And you got a lot of people from from Morocco and Tunisia, Tanzania, um, Algeria, and whatnot that are also migrating. Senegal that are just heavily influenced in just about every country in Europe. Yeah, there's so much history and culture here, and. It's it's all, seeing it also tangibly in the architecture and in the mm. people themselves and mm. the style and the, you know every aspect of culture. It's it's I mean one of the major reasons I love traveling and, and love living in Europe. It's it's just you know the variety and this yeah you know, it's amazing. What do you think is like? Um... There's, there's some things you see. Like, I remember when I saw David, the statue of David. I was going to pull out my phone and take a picture, and my phone died right there. So that's just a memory I get to keep for myself, and nobody else can have that when I when I saw the 500-year-old statue of David or when I was sitting on top of the Michelangelo Piazza watching the sunset over the, the Florence and the Tuscan views. Like, what memories do you have in your head that you keep for yourself? Oh, it's funny that you mentioned David, and it's funny that we were – in Florence together, and that's where we met. But the single most impressive piece of art I have ever seen, and I've you know I've been to a lot of art galleries in a lot of different countries, and seen a lot of you know if I'm not a huge art guy, so right. if I see a piece of art and I recognize it, that means it's super famous. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know the obscure ones very well, uh, but the famous one, the super famous ones, I, I recognize. And Sometimes you see, I think the Mona Lisa is maybe the most famous example of people being underwhelmed yeah. by a super famous piece of art. Yeah. And for me, seeing Michelangelo was the example of being blown away. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, that is the single greatest, most beautiful piece of art I've yeah. ever seen. I, it, it looks impossible yeah. that, that that exists. Yeah. It looks like, you know, a... a you know, you could maybe build that now with like laser precision mm. and modern technology, like computers could maybe do that. But to, to know that, you know, 500 years ago, a guy used a chisel know, and a hammer a and a hammer and, you know, some, you know, other very, very simple, simple tools right. to create that perfect piece of art. It's, it's just amazing. And yeah, that, I mean, for me, the best parts of travel aren't the places or the things it's mm. always the people so mm. i think the, th- the things that stick with me are like wow. that group that i met at the hostel when i met you. yeah like that was you know the time the conversations we had the experiences we had together mm-hmm. you know that's 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 what i treasure more than anything okay that makes sense now is there because you've had how many countries have you been to uh, i've been to 27 countries wow. but three of those are you know, America, Canada, and Mexico, so 24 countries in Europe. Wow. I have, I've only been to North America 
in Europe. So mm. I really want to expand my travel to be more worldwide. Because, yeah. You know, living in Europe as an American the last five years, I've been very Euro-focused in my travels. Yeah. Uh, this year, I'm trying to go to Morocco or, you know, Turkey or, you know, s- try to, t- you know, stick Do some my more. foot in Africa or Asia. Or, yeah. You know, get other continents on the list and, you know, some different cultures. Right, as well. right. That's 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 fair. That Do you already have those trips set up? Uh, nothing is booked, but, you know, as a teacher, I know what my holidays are. Okay. But, you know, the great thing about being a teacher is you do have a lot of holidays, but you don't get to pick when they are. Yeah. You're kind of given them. So there's a few trips that I've, there are a few weeks off that I know I'm going to take a trip and I haven't booked anything, but I'm kind of thinking Morocco or yeah. Istanbul uh, should be on that, on one of those weeks. That's yeah. fair. I, um, those are both places that I want to, I would like to take some, one of my, my lifelong goals and my greedy goals is to spend one month out of each year in the destination of my choice. Maybe it's abroad, maybe it's domestic, but to take one month and, and like do a, a tour of holy cities in, in Jerusalem and Timbuktu and, and uh, Mecca, stuff like that. But those are those are the coolest things. How, Jeff, how did you get abroad? How did you get to Switzerland? When I met you, okay. you were still well, in Germany. How did you get abroad? Yeah, well, let me start from the beginning. I like you, actually. I, the first time I went off of North America was traveling or studying abroad in Cambridge. Uh, I went to the University of New Hampshire, and they had a, hmm. like a sister school type of relationship with one of the, the colleges in Cambridge. So I spent a six or seven week uh, summer semester in Cambridge. So like the, the normal Cambridge students were on break for summer. So mm. like these, a lot of the colleges offer like a summer program for international students like right. myself. So I was 21 at the time. It was in between my junior and senior years of university. Uh, and that blew very much, very similar to you. It just blew mm-hmm. me away. And that kind of planted the seed for, I want to live abroad or I want to travel a lot. I want that to be yeah. a part of my life on like an ongoing basis, like my lifestyle, essentially. Um, so I kind of shared this with my uncle, uh, you know, cause he was like, what do you want to do with your life? Cause I was going into my senior year and you know, when you start, you know, you're 21, 22, that's a very, you know, common question to be right. asked. What do you do after you graduate? Um, and I had said that, you know, basically what I wanted to do with my life very vaguely is I want to travel the world. I want to love what I do. And I want to get paid to do it. Mm. And he said, I think you should become an international school teacher because you'll get to travel the world. I think you would really like it. And you obviously would, if you're a teacher, you get paid to do it. (laughs) That kind of planted that seed. And at the time I was studying psychology, but I was uh, really interested in positive psychology. So not so much how to cure, quote unquote, um, problems. But how do you how do you take a normal person and make them great? Mm. You know, what do great people do? How can I wow. you know learn from them and integrate that into my life? And that you know lends itself to teaching a lot. Um, and my mother's a teacher, so what ended up happening is I would come back from university in May because we you know that's when the university calendar finishes. But my mother would still be teaching into June, mm. so I would have like a five week period that I was home, that my mom was still teaching. And she said to me 
uh, I first started when I was 20, actually, they, they needed substitute teachers at their school. So just like to make a little money and have something to do, I would substitute mm. teach at her school from time to time. And that actually led to like a maternity leave position that I like finished out like the last month of the year, one year as like a PE teacher. Wow. And then I finished out, like they hired me essentially again on a, another maternity contract to fill in for a month as a special education teacher. So I would work with like mm. really small groups of students uh, in one-on-one, helping them, you know, with pull-out reading and things wow. like that. And I kind of realized through being in the school environment as a teacher that I really enjoyed that wow. that that space. I liked mentoring. I liked teaching. I liked you know coaching. I liked working with young people. And you know, you walk into a school, everybody knows each other. Everybody talks to each other. It's a very positive community environment, and I really enjoyed that. So, and I also didn't want to graduate. I wanted to stay in school. <laughs> So yeah. I was like, what can I do? What can I do? So I, I saw that my the University of New Hampshire had an education program that is two years. Uh, the first year I would be taking classes, and basically the second year I would be full-time in a classroom uh, working with a teacher as a student teacher from the very first day of school up until I graduated in May. Mm. So I, you know, I didn't quite do the whole school year with them just because the university calendar finishes early. Um, so I did that uh, when I was 23, 24. So that was a two-year master's program that, that I did. And then as soon as I got into that program, my goal became, I'm going to be an international school teacher. And so all around the world, there's a company called Search Associates that uh, holds international mm-hmm. job fairs for international schools and international school teachers. That's called what? Search Associates? Search Associates. Yeah, it's a, just an international school job fair. And okay. they have... Three in the United States. Uh, one of them's in Boston. One of them is in Iowa, which is hilarious because I'm actually from Iowa. <laughs> you think it would be in like Chicago or something, but it's in Iowa. And <laughs> the last one is in San Francisco, I believe. Um, so I went to the one in Boston uh, in, during my year, my final year of grad school, and basically I went around to every single school that was offering a position that I was interested in. I'm a primary school teacher. I was, you know, in a fifth grade classroom at that time. So I was kind of looking for third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, maybe sixth grade, depending on the the situation, teaching positions. And literally every single school that was advertising for those positions, I walked around, introduced myself, uh, because the way that it works is the first two hours go around to the schools and try to secure interviews. Mm. And then for the rest of the job fair, the, the next two and a half days, you go to the interviews that you secured in that first two hours. Gotcha. So that first two hours is crucial to make the connections that are going to be, you know, fruitful yeah. or not for the rest of the time through your interviews. So I went to every single school that was offering a position that I was interested in. And every single school said basically the same to me, same thing to me. We love your energy. We love your attitude. Uh, we're really excited about the prospects of you as a candidate. However, you have no experience. Mm. And most of these schools are looking for two years or so of experience. And there are even some countries that require it as a wow. visa. You know, you know, like you can't get a visa unless you have two years of experience right. for certain countries. Wow. So I was kind of crushed because I basically was hitting no, 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 no. You know, it wasn't quite in that many words, but it was, that's what it was, a no. 
but I just like made no my vitamin, one of my favorite mm. brown expressions. Yeah. And I just kept going back and I had made <laughs> my way around to every single school. And eventually one of the schools said, listen, we can't hire you as a teacher, but we want to hire you as an intern. Mm. Um, so I just kind of saw that as a way to get my foot yeah. in the door. And Opportunity. I, I got hired as an intern uh, at the International School of Stuttgart in Germany. But I was, you know, I was due to arrive in August 2012. And in July 2012, they called me and they said, we have so many new fifth grade families that have joined our school. We need to open a new fifth grade class. Wow. We've already hired you. You're a qualified teacher. Do you want the job? Wow. Wow. So before I even showed up, wow. I got a promotion. And I was going to be a teacher. So mm. it was just like amazing opportunity, right place, right time. So I taught in Stuttgart for three years. Uh, went to the same job fair, the same company. But at this time, I went to the job fair in London. So that is in like February or so. So this is now February 2015. So I was in my third year of teaching in Stuttgart. And I actually went to that job fair not necessarily even wanting a job mm. because I had my job in my back pocket in Stuttgart. And I thought actually I would stay for a fourth year and then go somewhere else. But because I could go to this fair and not have to give up my job, I just wanted to go to see what opportunities were out there mm -hmm. to see like what my marketability would be now that I do have some experience just make some connections so that the following year I would have you know an even firmer base to stand right. on with more connections and more opportunities and possibilities but you know long story short I got an offer from the International School of Zurich and Lucerne in Switzerland and it was an offer I couldn't refuse. So, <laughs> uh, so I talked to my director, and I kind of told him about this. And he was actually, you know, a, a lot of these directors know each other, so mm. he actually knew the other director that had that was offering me a position. He was like, "Yeah, man, take that. You would be a fool not to take that job." So, you know, long story short, that is how I ended up this one. Wow. And you and you touched on a lot of points there and I didn't realize how, you know, I studied psychology as well. Um, and, you know, me studying abroad was at um, a branch campus of Miami University. But a, a, a key thing that I want to stick on there is how you created your opportunity to be abroad. And I read, um, this summer, I read The Alchemist and they talk about your personal legend and really being led by your stomach and being led by your heart and that intuition, when you follow your purpose and your path, when you follow, you said those three things, it was, um, you said what, travel? I wanna travel the world, I wanna love what I do, and I wanna get, get paid. paid to do it. And when you can chase, when you can identify, that's specific. It, Les Brown says too, if you have a general goal, you will get a general result. Those are three specific sentences. And when you have that, you get what you want, you get what you ask for in life and does it may never happen how you thought it would but every time you ask for something you get it absolutely i, I i'm a firm believer in that and, and you know it's not just about asking either it's 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 about taking action and you know implement yeah yeah all the knowledge in the world you can know you're supposed to eat right you can know you're supposed to exercise you mm. can know that drinking water or you know meditating is good for you but unless you implement those things in your life yeah. and actually body them and it, do them, you're not going to get the benefit. 
It doesn't matter. Yeah, you're right. And you, you know, you're making me think about um my my trip to study abroad. Uh, when I was a freshman at Miami, Ohio, my mom had always told me that I had to study abroad if I had the chance. And when I met with my advisor in my first semester, of my freshman year, I let him know that my my last semester, my eighth semester of college, I wanted to be able to either come back and play my fifth year of football, get a master's program in that fifth year, or study abroad and graduate. Um, so when it came time, it was really like a year in advance. I hadn't, I did not have a good first two years of football. I didn't touch the field. Third year was still subpar. I only played special teams. So that was the year. It was after my junior season that I started the process of studying abroad for the last semester of my senior year. So I was putting, playing football and putting that together as well. But it it, it just worked out so right. And even even for me, I didn't have a job when I went to Europe. I didn't have a job over there, so it got to be like the last month, and it was time for me to come back to America and graduate, and I didn't have a job, but I called um, called one of my mentors, and that's how I ended up getting here to, to South Carolina on a job. But even even still, like going over there, and you mentioned Les Brown, who I got to meet last year, um, and I'm sure you know he's one of my favorite people. That's it was It was listening to him in the attic in Luxembourg at my host family's house, probably doing push-ups when he said, I'm the one, and write down five reasons that you're the one. And it really just sent that through my body with Toastmasters in life. And like, I have to do what I've been called to do. Like, I can't I can't make an excuse to work a nine to five. And even, even still, no, it's not about a nine to five or working for yourself or whatever, but I, I cannot do things that, that I'm not passionate about because I would just be miserable, you know? I would just be miserable. Actually, when I first met you, you were telling people that you were a speaker. Mm. <laughs> and some people are so confused by that. They're like, what does that even mean? <laughs> you were so clear about it. And I remember being really impressed because you were young. You were, you were only, what, like 22? I, I turned 22 over there, yeah. You were 22 and you were speaking with such conviction and you know, I think so many, like your 20s is, it's crucial. You, like figure out your life. I just turned 30 last Monday. So I like, wow. now my 20s are officially behind me. I kind <laughs> of reflect on them. Your 20s are all about figuring out who you are, mm. what your purpose is, why that's your purpose. Uh, and you had, you are way ahead of the game on that. Like way ahead <laughs> of the game. Cause you know, even then that was three years ago. I was like, this guy is crystal clear about so many things that I'm still even trying to figure out. And I was like 25 or 26. <laughs> so I'm like 27. Well, and, and I remember having those conversations with you, you know, over there and, and being specific. And I don't know, I don't know how it, how it, why it got so, because I never realized, like I'm starting to realize how much things or how convicted I was. Um, and I was telling my friends yesterday, my three of my favorite people are, um, Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, and Tupac, and they were like, Trey, that's very aggressive. Those are some very kind of violent people. And I was like, I, I think that they're very convicted people in their faith. And when they when they believe in something, there's there's no deterring from that. Their faith is is all the way there. And so that that was kind of my my mindset. Like I'm I'm abroad. I don't know anybody here. I done did everything I wanted to do. I know that this is it. Like giving back, I want to help the people. I want to talk to kids. I love to talk all the time. That this has to be it. Like how could how could somebody tell me no? And and part of that was me being young, naive, and ignorant. You know, I didn't know what I didn't know at the time. And it, it's it's still confusing when I tell people I'm a speaker. They're like, 
what? Because I remember when I said it, I didn't know that you could do that full time. Um, but but it's it's I've done like seventy five speaking engagements over the last two years um, since I graduated and joined Toastmasters. Part of that being, um, I mean, from from as small as as eight um, eight kids in a Call Me Mister mentoring program up to twenty five hundred people at at a high school, the World Championship of Public Speaking, vocational rehab, churches, weddings, everything um, I've been able to go to and and just just speak. Um, and get better at it each time. Yeah, man, I've been watching your journey uh, through social media and you know a, a few conversations we've had over the years, and it's 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 a really cool feeling looking up to someone who's younger than you. <laughs> that doesn't wow. always that doesn't happen. That wow. Often. At least when you're as young as I am, you know, I think wow. as you get older, that becomes more common because you know there are more adults younger than you, but. You know, I have seen you literally since the moment I met you as someone I looked up to in wow. so many ways because you knew, I mean, you kn- you know what you want to do and you're doing it. And that is mm. like, I respect that so mm. much. So, uh, that's, yeah. that's humbling, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you a lot. That means, that means the world to me. And even, you know, there's, there's, there's occasions I, I told my aunt this the other day too, cause she had, she had, I was, I've been, um, asking for contributions for this city council campaign and my aunt just she she shared love to me the same way that you just did right there, and that's so meaningful um, for me. And, and sometimes it might be I know like a couple of weeks ago there was a young lady that I went to eighth grade with, um, and she lives in Florida now. And she was like Trey, like I haven't seen you in a while. You probably don't remember me, but but I I just see what you're doing and I appreciate it. And and that that means so much, Jeff. Um, and and for me the the paying it forward piece is that the fact that um. One, you're, you're, that's humbling for you to be able to tell me that, but it's not just the fact that you look up to me or that I'm doing anything special per se, but you're doing it too. Like this, it's, the inspiration is inspiring you to be a better you. Like it's not, it's not Jeff trying to be like me. It's not looking up to me to be like me. It's looking up to me to be like you because I'm just trying to be all of myself. Um, exactly. And, 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 that's, and that's the message to share. Like... Love yourself, be yourself, go chase, chase your heart, um, chase God's heart, chase what's in you, because you can have it. You can have it. You can, that's I, I, our, our message is so aligned, and I think that's another reason that we connected a lot back in Florence, and we've stayed friends, you know, since that since that time, uh, because I wholeheartedly believe that. My whole, you know, I think. You know, before we started the podcast, we had a quick conversation, and I told you I wanted to talk about the why. Mm. Because I think this whole idea of why you're doing things is so important. Yeah. For me, you know, starting to make videos and starting this podcast and, you know, being relatively new on this journey, my why has started to blossom a little bit more. Mm. I think when I started, it really was, you know, that you, you even mentioned it, being the best version of myself. And that was something I was already trying to do. And then that just kind of led to me wanting to share it to, you know, provide value for others as well. Yeah. But honestly, especially early in that time, it was, I would say even more, it was still about me. Like it was, it was yeah. a, my growth. It was about my development. It was about, yes, I want to help others, but I really even more than that, I actually want to help myself. Yeah. And now, as I become 
step more and more into this space and I get a little bit clearer and clearer about what my why is in here. It is absolutely up. That is still a massive part of it. It is definitely about me yeah. showing up as a version of myself, but my why is shifting more into helping others and providing value. Man. Amen. Because you know, I've, I've had people do that for me, you know, Les mm-hmm. Brown or, you know, you or other people that I either know of or know through my journey that have helped me so incredibly much. And, you know, that is priceless, you know, treasures that uh, I really appreciate. And I want to, my why has shifted more into wanting to be that for mm. other people and mm. inspire them to be their best version of themselves. And, and that, that means, that means so much. I, um, I think I I just hit that that lesson too. I can remember when I learned that lesson, and it was at the World Championship of Public Speaking for Toastmasters, and I got my butt kicked. But it was I wanted that trophy. I wanted to be the World Championship so I could keep studying abroad and seeing the world and talking to everybody. But that's when it's it's in, and I started saying it's all about me and it's not about me. It's all about me because it's only my decisions that I could control. It's only my thoughts that I can have. It's only it's only what I can do every day. And that's what the dash is, your decisions every day. That's all that I can do. But if it's only all about me, I'm not going to get out of bed in the morning because sometimes I'm going to be too tired. I'm not going to work as hard because it's, it's just for me. I can be lazy and unmotivated for myself. Um, and that's where Tony Robbins says the, the secret to living is giving. Um, and... and uh, I know you read a lot. Bob Berg talks about um, people do business with those they know, like, and trust, and it's about adding value. One of the things that is so important for me, and I think going being abroad, that I learned is life is about principles and experience. Um, that's that's where wisdom comes from. Principle, because principles are always the same. It's like the, the method in the math equation. If you know how to solve y equals mx plus b, if you know that method, you can plug in any number and it's going to work. If you can understand the principle of purpose, if you can understand the principle of action, the principle of, of faith, then there's there's nothing that can really stop you there. And then when you match that principle with the experience of travel and life and whatnot, you that's that's I feel like where wisdom comes from. You, it can't be taught; it has to be done. Um, Absolutely, and uh, I actually heard Tony Robbins talking the other day about. You know, people think that success comes from acting right and making right decisions. You know, and it does. He wasn't saying it, it doesn't, but you know, you get to that point where you can act right and make the right decisions by having experience. Mm. How do you have experience? By making wrong decisions. Actually, <laughs> a lot of them. Going and getting your butt kicked. Yes. Postmasters. Yes. It's not like it's just a trail of nonstop wins. It's actually a trail of nonstop mistakes that you're learning from. Yes. Guide your course a little bit better. And now next time you know not to step in that direction. Just a little bit more, uh, just a little bit more on track. Um, that's that's exactly, it's, it's all, all those failures. And, and to keep it practical, um, looking at baseball, you're, you're a great hitter if you can bat 300. If you get three out of every 10, you are phenomenal. In basketball, if you make every other shot, 50%, you are a Hall of Famer. Like those are in, shoot, in Obama, he had a 52% approval rating. That means 48% of the people in the, in the country did not like Obama. The more you do or the more you grow, the kind of more failures that you have to experience um, to gain that wisdom and know the principles too. That's, that's a great point. Yeah, I'm, you know, I think that's, for me, that was a big, 
barrier I had to get past to even start to put myself out there in videos and in podcasts mm. is that, that fear of failure and, and just getting rid of, not rid of it, it's not like I've completely gotten rid of it, but it's something I've gotten past or gotten right. through by, you know, just recognizing that the mission is more important than the fear. Like you can mm. have a thousand reasons to not mm. do it. All you need is one good reason right. to do it. And if you get clear about that and why you're doing it, then it gives you the courage. And, and, and sometimes, you know, for me in my journey, I had to have some other people give me that permission mm. as well. Because people are like, man, I, what you just said is so interesting. Wow. People would like to hear that. Yeah. And then it's just like, you know what? Enough people have told me that. I am going to put this message <laughs> out so people can hear it. Yeah. And sometimes people start seeing things for you before you see it for yourself. Um, and that's kind of how you know when it's the right time to go as well. As when with Before I left my job um, in April, the month before, students kept coming to me and telling me that I wasn't going to be back next year. I'm like, yo, I, I haven't put in a resignation. I don't have any contract. I don't have nothing going on. But by the end of that month, I did have a contract and I was putting in my resignation. They saw it before I could see it. Um, for myself and sometimes that's the the best way to move forward when people see it for you absolutely earlier you talked about some of your mentors uh, have you I, I want to quickly talk about the one third one third one third rule and mm. I would love to hear you talk about some of your mentors um, I recently came across this idea of the one third one third one third principle that one third of the people in your life should be peers one third of the people in your life you should be mentoring. Yeah. One third of the people in your life should be mentors for you. Right. So I've really tried to, you know, as a teacher, I mentor a lot of people and, you know, I, I have peers as well and I do have mentors, but I think in the last six months or so, I've really been seeking out more mentors and I would be interested mm. to hear you talk about the mentors you have, how you found them. And yeah. Just your mentors that you are, are important for you. That's that's a that's a phenomenal point. Well, I and I'll start with you know that the one third that's above. I've heard I've heard the rule before. I don't know it. I've heard Ty Lopez I think talk about it. Um, yeah, I don't know where that came from, but it's definitely not mine. It's <laughs> that's okay. The I, I would say that top third of the people that have mentored me, um, a lot of them are books. I've I've probably read a um, hundred or so books. Over Well, I started reading intentionally when I was like 16 years old. Books like Predictably Irrational, The Murderer Next Door, um, the, the Slight Edge, stuff like that. So that's where I learned a lot of those principles. But the, the, the living people, um, well, and I'm going to say this, the reason why books are mentors because you can get 10, 20, 30 years of somebody's life in two hours of sitting and reading. So those were, were big. Reading a lot was, was a lot of my my. A, a third mentorship but then other places were are just um reaching out terrence moore is a sports journalist for cnn mlb nfl.com i met him at a black alumni um black alumni party in like 2013 at miami we went to the same school and me and him talk frequently he's somebody that i, I reach out to i stay at his house when i go to atlanta always kind, has never wanted anything for me, but has always looked for young people that want to learn. Um, you know, and, and that's been kind of the case every time. I've been fortunate enough to have a, a very strong family legacy and roots that my family history goes back to 200 years to 1820 
and the men in that family line have, are, are pretty much the same. They work from can't see in the morning to can't see at night. They help people. They, they go around. So I'm able to lean on on my big brother, on my father, on my cousin. Even now in, in, in running in the campaign, I've got three or four family politicians that I can give a phone call and ask for support. So that, that would definitely be um, up there. And, and for somebody who doesn't have that kind of legacy, um, in their family or doesn't necessarily know people off front. When I went to Toastmasters World Championship, I sent I sent Facebook messages to um to former world champions, like 25 former world champions, cause and five of them responded to me and I had phone calls with with them. So sometimes it's not as hard to make a connection with a mentor. And many people are looking um for someone to mentor to, to that wants to be mentored. And I'm actually for the mentoring piece, I'm just getting to a place myself where, um, honestly, where I'm starting to be able to be in a position to mentor folks. I have one intern that works with me, um, walking door to door. He helps me with the podcast production. He's a co-host with me. Um, and that was him. He sent me a message on Facebook. Hey, Trey, I want to be a speaker. Um, do you have time to sit down and talk? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and then doing that, I said, okay, now talk to me. What do you really want to do? I want to be a politician. I want to have a podcast. I want to, okay, he's my right hand now. Um, and, and I see so much in him that I saw in myself. And I just got approved for two more interns um, at the Governor's School for Science and Math. And I've got a couple college students. So now I'm, I'm really reaching my hand back out to young people that are 18 and 26 and even younger so that they, like you, um, when you go to a job and they say you need experience, okay, well, now you're helping a startup company. You're, I want you to create my operations. I want you to develop um, this pot. I want you to have experience hands-on. I'm trying to call them executive internships to where you are having real experience right now. So when you go and talk to someone, yeah, I, I developed um, SEO program for a startup company, Gamma Enterprise. Th that's how I'm trying to help people there. Um, and then the people around me, the people that are my peers, and the peers range, you know, like you. I look up to my intern, DeAndre. He's 17 years old. But the way that he attacks, the way that he go gets, and the way that he knows what he wants, I, I look up to that. I admire that. Um, and, and just the people that are within 48 to 18 um, that I have a conversation with every day, um, those people are touching to me. In, in, in high school, I said, um, I want to have an impact on everybody that I have a conversation with. That's one of my goals in life. And, and so with everybody that I have a conversation with, I want some kind of influence to be from there. And I'm, I'm always, you're, you're always going to see me be the same me. If I just met you for the first time, we're going to still have a conversation like I know you because I, that's just where my heart is at. And I want to, to know you and give to you and learn from you as well. So I'm, I'm, I, I try to have open ears and listen to everybody that's around me because their experience is always different. Wow. Yeah. There, there, there always is the give and take. Uh, I think that's really important actually to highlight is that there is no one out there that you can't help yeah. by, you know, by sharing your story and by talking and listening to them. You know, it's always a mutual, mutually beneficial thing when you're communicating with people mm -hmm. and truly you know, listening to the, each other's stories and giving each other feedback. So I think that's a really important lesson to learn that it doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, what you've done or haven't done, you can absolutely provide value to other people. And, and who, who, who would have thought, Jeff, that three years after, 
I was in Luxembourg, you were in Germany. Who would have thought we met in, in Florence, Italy with another group of six people and we're still having conversations three years later. You know, how did that, you walked out and saw some guy talking to, to a group of people and, and we had conversations over there about a friend who, who passed away that I still remember that conversation and story. Um, yeah. It still inspires me. We had conversations on the, um, the Ponte Vecchio uh, the bridge in Florence, you know, where all the shops are, things that, that I still remember and are still meaningful. And those are that, that's that one third of peer group around that are like, well, that's the connection, that's the experience, that's the life that you don't, you don't forget those. You know, you don't, you don't forget stuff like that. And part of me wishes I had pictures um, to go back and look at those, but then the rest of me is like, I'm so glad I don't, because um, I just get to, I just get to enjoy them and know what, what happened. Um, in life and, th and that's where it can be really easy to get frustrated with this world if you look for something wrong it is really hard to find it and so what I like to do is ask people where do you find your peace um, if there is no enemy within the enemy outside can do you no harm so where is your peace so even if, if everything goes wrong today and nobody treats you right there should be something inside of you that, that is always going to be peaceful that is always going to have that same love in it um, regardless of what's happened to you in a day. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think, are, are you asking what my peaceful place is? Or? Um, well, yeah, shoot. Let, yeah, let me ask you what your peaceful place is. Uh, I, I, you know, you mentioned your family. I think for me, I also am really lucky uh, to come from a really, really great family. My, my brother just had a niece a couple months ago, mm. so the family grew a little bit. You know, he got married last summer, so like back-to-back -back summers, he's kind of stepped into new space. Um, and, you know, my, my parents, my mom and my dad are, I just have such a great relationship with them. And, you know, I, I mentioned I had my 30th birthday the other, yeah. the other you know, last Monday, and actually someone asked me what was the best part of your birthday. And I called during my lunch hour, I called my parents. Mm. It was like 6.30 in the morning for them because um, they live in New Hampshire. Um, and I think that I talked to them for like 35 minutes or so. And that conversation was just, you know, in, in a day full of, you know, so many people reaching out. Right. And, me feeling, and really feeling the love from all directions. You know, I, I, mean, I would expand into that actually. Is that I have amazing family and I have amazing friends. Mm. So just the social interactions in my life. Mm people I know, the experiences I've had, you know, like you said, actually, nothing can take that away from you. Like, yeah. All, you know, meeting people in, in Florence and, and having those conversations and those times that we spent and reflecting on those, I mean, that's, that truly is something no one can ever take away right. from me. And I, I think, yeah, the people and the experiences I've had, I can always retreat into that as my safe space. Yeah, that's, that's dope. And I can see it as you, as you say it, you mean it. Um, and, and then when you're able to, you know, come to a place where it's not a pursuit anymore for those three things you wanted. I want to I want to travel the world. I want to get paid to do it. I want to now it's not a pursuit for that. You have it. Um, and like right now, I'm, I'm realizing that everything I've ever wanted in my life, I have like I don't have the oodles of money and I don't have the oodles of fame. And, and that's not I I could care less. I hope some of those things still come. But yeah, I, that's not the why. That's not the why. I have I'm the. I'm not trying to get famous. I'm not trying to make yes. money. That's not why I'm doing this. Every day I go to work, I go happy because it's what I decided to do. Consulting with with a, a charter school where I get to go and and support 26 staff members at this school, 
and they get to support 150 students. And when, when I walk into campus, I, it's a smile every time. As, as frustrating as it might be sometimes, or how many fires, I'm just saying this. But it's always great when I get to go sit in on the kindergarten class and they're, they're excited to give me a high five. You know, and this, how could I ever be mad when I walk into work and this is what I chose to do? You know, I, I wrote the script, I asked for these things, and this, I'm not in pursuit of, of that anymore. I can go sit on my front porch and know that I'm okay. You know, I'm good. I, I'm, I'm making it, and I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying every day and every way that the world is turning around me. If you think, if you could give one piece of advice to someone you you don't know, hmm. you've never met, but one piece of advice, take this and implement this into your life. What, what do you think you hmm. can boil that one thing? Every decision counts. Every 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 decision that you make counts, and that was because um, I, 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 that's a beautiful question, and I've asked myself that question. I believe that your life, um, the the quality of your questions will determine the quality of your life, and so that's that's something that I, I've realized, and that's come from um, the mistakes that I've made in, in in college. I failed a drug test. That's from the mistakes that I made to study abroad. I mean, not the mistake, or the the good decisions I made to study abroad, but just realizing that every day. When I wake up, whether it's getting on my knees to pray in the morning and read my Bible after that, or, or telling someone something that they should know, not something that I have to tell them, but something that they should know, um, knowing that if I have the opportunity to make a decision, it counts, it matters. Every single one that I make to, to go to bed up, to go to bed on time, or to stay up late, to make my bed in the morning and brush my teeth or not, those decisions count. Um, every single one that you make counts and, and all it takes is 1% a day to, to change what your life looks like. You can do one, one more thing, make one more decision better, make one more decision with improvement. Today, you, you grew as a person. Do that 365 days and you're three times the person every year. You get to triple who you are. Wow. Yeah, wow. That's uh, really well said. I think if I were going to answer that question I would have a very similar answer, but I, you know, I have the travel love podcast. So in my mind, my two, like two messages I really want to put out is, well, I love traveling. So I love talking about that, but actually it all boils down to me for, to love the word love is like mm. an all encompassing word that, you know, means anything positive and good. And when you, yeah. I would answer that, you know, expand your love expand standing in love being love mm. seeing love you know choosing love and i think it's it's very similar to what you're saying with with taking actions because what do i mean by that i mean taking actions that are rooted in the benefit of yourself and, and others right and me that's just that's love like, right it's the love and and so tell me where where's the first step so we're, I mean, we're talking about love and, and making decisions so where i'm i'm that person that that I don't I don't know Jeff I, I need your help. What tell me what's the first action step that I can take to to start living a life of love? Sure. So I'm so let me just make it clear I'm not an expert. I am an expert on my life though. Mm. Okay. So in my life, from my experience, one of the biggest growth points I have had is loving myself more. Mm. Falling back in love with myself, like getting rid of a lot of shame. Wow. Getting rid of a lot of. Just, you know, I was beating myself up for a lot of things. And when I was able to let go of some of that shame that I yeah. was keeping and beating myself up for, yeah. and, and what, you 
know, what replaces, mm. you know, the shame is if you get rid of it and you fill yourself with self-love. Wow. It just, wow. You know, I, that was a major, major obstacle that, you know, it's not like I'm done, you know, it's an endless right. journey. You're always working on yourself, mm. but my self-love increased a lot. And when that happened, my whole life started firing. You know, if you love your, I'm sure you've heard the cliche, you can't love someone else unless About you love yourself. yourself. You love yourself. Right. And you think there's a lot of truth to that. You know, so many people and me included for a lot of my life, you try to find validation and love in the external. If only this person loved me more, if only my mom and dad loved me more, if mm. only my brother or sister or my girlfriend or my boyfriend or my friends loved me more, then I would feel the love that I know I deserve. Wow. But it, it's not like that. It right. Actually, it, it comes from within. You are pure energy and pure love. And when you tap into that and realize that you, all the love you ever need is already mm. you inside already you. Have it. You are already so powerful. You are... You, you're not broken. You don't need to be fixed. You are whole and you are complete, but you're not finished. Mm. And you are pure love. So I think I would just say fall in, learn to fall in love with yourself. Get, uh, get really clear about where you are. What are your sticking points? You know, if you have goals, that's great. I, I think goals are awesome. But you, you can, if you're looking at a map and you want to get there, that's your goal. Mm. You cannot use a map unless you know where you are. So get clear about where you are. Yeah. Then double down on love, self-love. And I think that will make the journey to getting to where you want to go, at least for me. Yeah. Again, not an expert, but I'm an expert in my life. And for me, self-love has helped me get to my goals more than any other thing in my life. I love it. I've got one more last question for you, Jeff, because we talked earlier about um, how vulnerable you've been able to make yourself. And I, 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 that, I think that's a big piece of it. And the key word, too, is being vulnerable. Um, will you tell me <clears throat> or maybe you haven't answered this question yet? What is the next barrier of growth that you're trying to get past? What's the next hump that you're trying to go over? And if not that one, um, what's the last hump that you got over? What's the last thing that you kind of let go of? Wow, that is such a good question. Um, for me, it's all about implementation. That is the next. I think at this point, I'm, I've really leveled up on my awareness. I know I'm aware of a lot of things. Mm. And I'm aware of, I've tried this in my life. This works. It's like the classic, you know, you work out for three months and all of a sudden you're in really good shape and you feel great right and then kind of take your foot off the gas because you actually were working out because you wanted to look good and now that you do look good you're you're like not working out as much right or you know you wake up in the morning early and you do your stretching and you, and you eat really healthy breakfast and you, and you and you lock into these patterns and then you get to a point that you take your foot off the gas right because you you know, you wanted to clear up your skin or you wanted to lose the weight or you wanted to get the job. You wanted and you start hitting these goals and then you take your foot off the gas. So I think for me, I'm, I'm trying to expand what I think I did. It's not what's possible. It's what I think I deserve. What is, mm. what is my comfortability? Wow. What is like the level wow. of happiness that I'm allowing myself to wow. become my new normal? I think expanding that is what I'm working on now because what I've been talking about is like 
what has kind of been showing up in my life is I'll be really good with my diet for so long and then yeah. all of a sudden I'll, I'll fall off or I'm really good with my morning routine and then I'll fall off or I'm really good with exercise and I'll fall off or I'm really good mm. with meditation and then I fall off and it always I always fall off when everything is going really really well yeah. because I think it's like there's something in us that we get used to how things should you know oh this is my life I'm only this happy and I only have this much money and I mm. only have this many friends and my relationships are only this good. Wow. And as soon as we expand past that, a lot of times we can do something to self-destruct. Wow. And sometimes self-destructing is just going back into old patterns yeah. instead of pushing on like you were. I saw Pete Rose, uh, a video he was in yesterday, and he said, when people ask me for advice about hitting or about baseball or about anything, I, this is what I tell them. This is what led me to my greatness. Be aggressive, be more aggressive, and always be hungry. Never mm. be satisfied. So I think it's that third one, actually. Never be satisfied. If you look great, you can you can look even better, and you can be even healthier on the inside. If you're you know reading a lot, and all of a sudden you stopped, like you've lost that hunger, you've lost that drive. Why did you stop? Like you got content with well, I just read five books. Mm. Okay, well, you can read ten more. You can read a hundred more. Yeah. You can read a thousand more. Like, so I think expanding what is normal in my life, and, and, and you know, placing that higher and higher and higher and higher. That is the, what I'm, you know, working on now. Okay. And okay. Same question to you. Same what, question to you. Well, shoot, you you knocked my socks off right there. That was <laughs> that was that was that was great. With the um, you know, expanding on what I deserve. That that is crucial. I I feel that and I receive that. Um, and knowing what you deserve, because because first of all, it's it's crazy starting a podcast. How you're putting yourself more out there, but you're humbling yourself more on the process. Um, so I I think for me and that leads into the answer for my question. This summer, I've been learning how to separate my head from my heart, my, my subjective opinion from the objective truth. And in, in, in that, how I want to know how to continue to chase God's heart and how to chase my, my faith and, and my purpose without letting my ego get in the way. Um, because like you said, there's been those times when I got my D1 scholarship and all of a sudden I got worse, where I became a starter and all of a sudden I got worse. Where, where I, I reached the World Championship of Public Speaking and all of a sudden I, I, I don't have the same motivation. So it's like, okay, Trey, you've done this multiple times. How do you separate the ego of your head from what your heart actually desires and what you want? So that's, that's a piece that I feel like I've, I've come to the realization um, around the eclipse time when, when that happened, um, separating the head and heart. And then I, I say another step for me is commitment. Um, that's that's some a place that I've I've always kind of ran away from, whether it's from um, a relationship or from a job or from um, from a conversation. I, f I feel like I, I run away from commitment because I fear rejection. I don't want to be told no. I don't want I don't want to be slapped in the face. And that's because it's things that have happened in my life. But, you know, we're talking about letting those go. Um, and getting over that hump. And so I've committed to starting a company in Gamage Enterprise. I've committed to running for city council, which is a four-year commitment. I'm committed to the relationships around me and being there. So that's that's something that I'm realizing or that I'm working through as we speak is is how to be committed to people um, fully or in situations and things. And you mentioned the ego really, really quickly. There's 
something one of my friends told me recently is that your ego needs to be big enough that you think you can change the world. Mm. Your, you, ego is important to a certain extent, and you do need an ego because if you don't think you can make a difference, right. why would you even try? Right. So you need to have a big enough ego to think, you know, the only people who change the world are people who are crazy enough to think that they can. Yeah. That comes from ego, but then there's the other side where you need to be humble and, mm-hmm. like you said, separate your, your head and your heart. And I would even go one step further and say separate your heart, your mind, mm. and your soul. Wow. So there's, I think, another big thing for me, a big growth point, is just getting back in touch with yeah. my soul. I mean, so many people, you, you read books and you, you, you study up and you take courses and you have conversations and you watch videos and you really build your mind. Or you work on your emotional life and your relationships and your love and, you know, you work on your heart. But I'd, I'd actually been neglecting mm. my soul for mm. so long. Mm. You know, just to go back a little bit, I think that's another, you know, actually it's yeah. a different question. What big thing have I just gotten over? And not that I've gotten over, but I've done a lot of work on reconnecting with with my soul and, you know, mind, body and soul and just even openly talking about, you know, having a soul. I mean, I know you're, you're a person of faith, but, you know, in today's day and age, you know, religion and spirituality and faith have really taken a hit mm. as to where they've been in yeah. throughout history. I mean, you go into ancient tribes, there was always a spiritual component. Yeah. And you go throughout our history, there's always a spiritual com- component. And one of the things about the modern world is that it's all about the mind and the body. It's right. about what you eat. It's about you know your exercise. It's about what you know and who you know. I mean, we've stopped talking about the spiritual yeah. aspect. We've stopped talking about our soul. And because you know that's maybe in a realm that science can't Answer. measure, right. people see it as invalid. And, and not everybody, obviously, but right. maybe a larger population than ever. And I was certainly in that population for a while that I just just didn't give it a lot of thought or yeah. attention. And when I started reinvesting in my spirituality, yeah. I, that was another major breakthrough for me. That and and that and that's beautiful because there's it's it's interesting learning. Um, this year, I've grown so much in in soul and in spirit. Um, as well, and, and just submission to to faith. Um, and I know there's, you know, there, you got your Buddhism, you got your Hindu, you got your Jewish Christians. You have your your numerology. You have astrology. You have you have everything under the sun. And what's yeah. what's what's important is the connection to faith. I, you know, I believe that collective consciousness, everything in the world, is God or is faith or is the spirit, and it all works together. For good, and so for myself, I believe you know. I believe I am God. I believe that God is in me and of me. So when I connect to my higher spiritual self, um, that takes me out of this flesh state or the earth state, and into a place where logic doesn't have to be um, the only truth. Where where some things like quitting my job before I have a contract that doesn't make sense, but my spirit told me that, or my soul told me that. Um, I, I've never met Jeff before, but here we are three years later. That's that's a soul tie. That's a soul connection that you can have. That's a collective consciousness in, in knowing that love or faith or the spirit is um, is all knowing and all encompassing. Yeah, I think scientifically people would be willing to accept that everything is energy, mm. right? Yeah. So to me, 
if you accept everything as energy, why won't you accept that everything is God? Or as I like to put it, everything is love. Mm. Everything is energy. Love is energy. Everything is love. And it's, you know, I don't know, just a, a philosophy that I read the book uh, Conversations with God. Mm. And that was the book that reawakened my spirituality because it talked about so many of the problems I had with religion in a very simple step-by-step way that talked about why that misconception might exist. And and it wasn't, you know, this is a book that I think that, you know, the church would think is sacrilege. You know what I mean? It's not a sanctioned, you know, book by the church by any means. Hmm. But it, it is a book that talks about God and talks about love and talks about the soul. And I... I totally recommend that book. That's a, a big, big read for me as far as the value I got out of that book. Yeah, yeah, that's deep. That's it's it's, it's and it's really it gets quite simple. I think even you know the word love. I, the first person I, I think I heard talk about love the way that you are is Erica Badu. Um, and at first I didn't really get it. like how can everything be love? Um, that doesn't even right. make sense. But when you when you think of how encompassing the word love is and, and like you love is everything um and that that's it you know love love is everything so when you do realize that it makes it like it's hard to be angry at somebody when they love you you know it's hard to be um it's hard to be upset and mad when there's when there's love around so i agree jeff um and this 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 is a a very valuable way to catch up um, and, to, and to, to check in on life and even hold each other accountable um, in a way to share the stories and to share the experiences because um, it's, it's inspiring, you know, for me to get up the rest of the day and do something great um, and to keep adding value to people. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just a quick caveat. In, in the book, they talk about how there's this dichotomy of love and fear, but it's mm. like dark and light and warmth and cold. There is actually no such thing as dark is just the absence of light. Mm. There is no such thing as cold. It is just the absence of, of heat. Mm. Um, and that is what love, fear, dichotomy is. Okay, f- there is love and there is fear, but fear actually is the absence of love. Wow. So it's not as if that's why love is everything. Yeah. Well, well, that's not love. That's fear. Well, okay, that's just the lack of love, though. Or, yeah. you know, I don't see any light. Well, it's, it's not dark, actually. You know, it is dark. That does exist. This is darkness, where it is cold. Right. But we're missing but the light. It's only cold because there's no heat. It's only dark because there's no light. It's only fear because there's no love. Right. You add that piece in, and you you counter the the other. Dark can't exist in light. Uh, exactly. you, you know. Dark can't exist in light, and fear cannot exist in love. Yes. So that that's 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 a good one. Right. That might be a book right there, Jeff. <laughs> that, that might be a book. <laughs> It is a book, Conversations with God. Oh, take, a, take a read. <laughs> touche, touche. Anything else before we, we close off? Hey, man, I just want to thank you so much. I've had so much fun talking to you, man. Um, this has been a blast. I'm Keep going, man. I've been, when I first met you, you already had a speech. It was, it was called Tackle Your Dreams. Yeah. You, I was really blown away by the work that you'd already put in and the, the wisdom that you'd already gained at mm. your young age. And you're already well on your way to big things and I'm just I'm super proud of you and I look up to you and just keep keep tackling your dreams man because you're doing it and it's inspiring man so keep going thank you sir thank you sir I appreciate that and, and likewise I'm, I'm inspired by it's that action and growth um, and it's it's definitely a reciprocal 
um, looking up to in that case, man. So th thank you so much for having me. Um, and I'm glad we could uh, do the show together. Absolutely. If you've listened to it till the end, thank you very much. I love you guys. Uh, this has been episode five of the Travel Love Podcast slash The Dash. Uh, look forward to uh, having more guests on. If you want to be on the show, let me know. And, uh, Peace.